Thanksgiving draws together for us fright, fear, sadness, anxiety, with enthusiasm and excitement and anticipation. And, and real, true thanksgiving pulls all of that together and pours it out at the foot of the cross before, before our God. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for you. You see, we recognize that outside of you, there's no true thanksgiving. There may be emotion, but there's no depth to it. Lord, without the realities of knowledge of our sinful nature and how you have snatched us from the pit of hell. We can't really know thanksgiving. We can't really understand what it looks like and what it feels like. But Lord, you desire for us to have a relationship with you. You desire for us to, to turn away from our worldly ways and to bend our knee to you. You desire so much that you sent your son, who, who was the, the one who spoke all that we see into existence. And Lord, you are willing to allow him to hang on a cross for us so that we might honestly know what thanksgiving is all about. Lord, would you please draw us to yourself today. Lord, would you please bring us closer to you. Would you settle our hearts and would you open them for your truth? And Lord, would you help us to walk out of here today with that fire that Kim was just talking about? And that we would share it with everybody we come in contact with. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to open your word today. Look forward to meeting you through it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What a great time of the year. My, it's, the, it's a holiday season. Everybody's celebrating something right now. And, and, and I work at the university, and of course, we were going to put up a Christmas tree, but we got chastised for that because there's all sorts of things being celebrated now. And it really brings back the concepts and the thoughts of where, do, where does this come from, this, this thanksgiving? Where, where did it really begin? So I thought I'd throw some fun facts out there for you and look at the first thanksgiving in the Americas. So it happened in, uh, ni- or in 1621. So in, in the year 1620, uh, the pilgrims came from England over to uh, the area in the United States now called Massachusetts. Uh, Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Rock was the, the place they actually missed shot where they were going. They anticipated being further south than that, but it didn't quite work. They ended up there. In the first winter, 47 of the pilgrims died. Starvation, cold, disease, other issues. It was a significant hit for these guys. In the spring, they planted a big garden, so they brought all sorts of seeds and other things with them. Uh, corn, barley, peas, all sorts of interesting things that they put in the ground that they brought with them from, from England. The summer was good. 
it was uh, fruitful for them, if you will, and uh, their plants grew. But interestingly enough, in, in lots and lots of different places, it talks about all the peas died. That must have been an important thing for these guys, uh, that the peas died, because a lot of sources talk about the peas not making it. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure why, but in, uh, nonetheless, that was something. And then that first autumn, as they gathered their things together, they celebrated. These guys had been through a lot when you think about it, that there were people with them that died in this new land. There were people that were friends, brothers, sisters, parents, children, relatives that came with them and they, that they perished over that first winter. But yet they looked at this bounty and they said to God, we're so grateful for what you've given us. And now you've prepared for us because, you see, now we really think we can make it through this next winter okay. So let's celebrate. Let's have a big party. There's a wonderful story by Edward Winslow in the Journal of the Pilgrims uh, in 1621. And he says in there, our harvest being gotten in. I love the language. It's great. I'm going to read it verbatim if I can. Our governor sent for men on fowling so that we might after a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help beside served the company almost a week. At which time, among other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us and among the rest of their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed upon our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God... We are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. What a beautiful story. They exercised their arms. They were eaten, right? They, they, they didn't use a lot of silverware then. It was a lot of handwork. They were exercising. The concept here, we were eating so much our arms got stronger. What a beautiful picture. But the recognition, by the goodness of God, we are so far from want we, we are so different than a year ago at this time when stragglers we washed upon the shore or came upon the shore in December and, and we, we tried to put things together, but we still lost people. We're so far from want like we were that we're going to celebrate. And that was the picture. And they invited the, the Indians to come and join them. What a beautiful shot. So if we look at the history of Thanksgiving in America, we often point to that time as the beginning of, of the Thanksgiving holiday. But in fact, it wasn't. In, in fact, they celebrated every autumn. This was in a picture of what we celebrate in Thanksgiving, uh, but it really didn't come to that. It took 200 years for Abraham Lincoln to actually say that, that in that year, that the, the last Thursday of Thanksgiving would be, or of the November would be Thanksgiving. It was a one-time deal. Abraham Lincoln did it for one time. It took until 1941 for Congress to actually enact that we would celebrate Thanksgiving every year on the fourth Thursday of the month of November. Uh, another little-known fact, Sarah Josepha Hale was an influential magazine editor and author. She wrote the the uh, nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, she spent almost all of her influential life lobbying Congress to set aside a day for Thanksgiving to, to represent our Thanksgiving to God. 
interesting perspective. So we, though, know that Thanksgiving didn't start with the pilgrims. It wasn't associated with a day in the autumn, probably September, October, when they celebrated. But really, Thanksgiving comes from a much higher being for us, right? From God. And it was, it's great to go back and look in the Word and Thanksgiving. And when I knew I was going to be teaching today on Thanksgiving, I went back and started looking at all the parts in the Bible. I was exhausted by the time I got through a third of them where it talks about giving thanks. The, the people in God's Word, just like us, need to be about giving thanks on a regular basis. And, and so what I've done is I've gone through and I've picked out some of my favorite passages of giving thanks. And we'll start with Psalm 100. And this is actually labeled a psalm for thanksgiving. So I thought that was an appropriate place to start. So let's look at Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. What a beautiful psalm. What a great opportunity. You just feel encouraged by this. I do. I mean, I, when I read this, I, I just feel lifted up and encouraged by it. There's a, there's a sense of enthusiasm by the psalmist here in, in looking at this. Shout joyfully refers back to the, uh, the homage that the, the Israelites paid to Saul when Samuel first announced him as king in, in 1 Samuel 10.24, and it talks about this exuberant uplifting of voices and, and shouting at the top of their lung, so different than we so are so much. We talk about Thanksgiving, and we're relatively quiet. The biggest noises in Thanksgiving in the United States, I guarantee you, are associated with touchdowns. Right? <laughs> Because most of us, by the time we're done with that meal, we can barely move, much less shout for joy. But what an interesting difference here as the psalmist starts this out. Shout joyfully. I mean, up on your feet shouting. You can't do this from your chair. You can't make this kind of noise sitting down. You've got to be standing up to do that. What a beautiful shot of that. And to know that the Lord himself is God. In, in the sense that we're, we're going to experience that Lord is God. We don't just know it with our heads. It's not just a mind thing. But our whole being resonates with that. We know that the Lord himself is God. It's complete. It's whole. It's everything. It's not just the mental gymnastics of knowing that. The other part here, the Lord himself is God, and the psalmist here is confessing that the Israel's covenant God, Jehovah, is the only true God. He is it, period. There will be many that we will celebrate as, as people in the world. From that time on, there are many, many statues, wooden structures, other things that have been called gods, but he's the only real one. He's the only one that extends forever, and we're going to look at that in a couple of the other psalms. And making us, I love the concept here, that, that he, it is he who has made us, 
and not we ourselves. So we've been studying Genesis, right? And we've been studying the creation and we recognize God made us. We didn't happen by accident. But the psalmist here is really referring to the, for, to the Jews. He's made us a nation. He picked us from this whole pot of people. And he took Abraham and he started us. He grabbed Abraham and Sarah and he brought uh, them through and he made a nation. He did that. We didn't do it. You know, we have a tendency to do that now. We gather together and we call ourselves something. We're going to give ourselves a name of something. We can, might be a band and we give ourselves a name. We might start a business and we give ourselves a name. These guys are talking about we were selected and given a name. We didn't do this on our own. It was he who did that. So when you look at that concept and you realize now when they respond with thanksgiving, this isn't about, gee, that was a good meal. Boy, it's nice that the car started this morning. This is a with my entire heart and being. I am standing up shouting as loud as I can. Thank you, God, for calling me into your family. This is a, this is a type of thanksgiving we don't see very often. But that's what God's talking about here. It's a whole different thing than, than what we often experience. And this is what God wants for us when we talk about Thanksgiving. It's the things you are hearing at this microphone. That's what God's wanting for Thanksgiving. This is not, gosh, it's nice that my shoes match today. But rather it's a God, thank you from the bottom of my heart because you changed me and you've given me the opportunity to share you with others and you've changed them too. That's the thanksgiving. Psalm 100. What a beautiful psalm to start with. But there are more. I mean, we could go on all day long. Psalm 95. We're going to go back just a little bit. Verses 1 through 5. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. And his hands formed the dry land. We're starting to see some expanse of God now. So the psalmist here, he, he's not just talking about the fact that God pulled this group of people and made them a nation, the nation of Israel, but rather he's showing the expanse of God. And he brings in the concept here of, of there are other people who worship other gods. But who and what are they? They're a piece of stone. Metal might be shiny, perhaps out of wood. But what are they? Our God, the one true God, he goes from the tops of the mountains to the bottom of the sea. And oh, by the way, he made them. He doesn't just, he, he, he doesn't just abide with us. He made that. He spoke it into existence. What has your God done? <laughs> Come on, show me. He just sits there like a stone because that's all he is. Our God's different. Again, shout joyfully. The rock of our salvation, the substance, the basis. We talk about building in stones, and it's just incredible. I had a chance to be in, in, uh, in Europe a couple times this fall, and you see these monstrosity buildings that are made out of stone that were built before they had hydraulic cranes or anything. But the whole thing hinged on a cornerstone. 
The whole structure was based upon one cornerstone. For us, that's Christ, the rock of our salvation. And it's the psalmist is talking about that. We're going to talk about in Isaiah how God hewn the, the whole nation of Israel, right, out of himself and how he used Abraham and Sarah for that. He uses these solid structures to help us understand that they're unfailing, that they stand forever. I, this is real stuff. It's so different from us. I stayed in a house that was at least 200 years old, right? and it was just perfectly useful. It, you know, it's, you go find a house that's 200 years old here. We just don't see them. It's a different way. Let's look at Psalm, Psalm 69, verses 29 and 33. The, the first couple of psalms are ones of just joy and, and overarching shouting and encouragement. But it's not always that way, is it? It's not always in our hearts that we, that we stand up and say, it's so good that I can barely contain myself. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's challenging. In Psalm 69, verses 29 through 33. But I am afflicted and in pain. May thy salvation, O God, set me securely on high. I will praise the name of God with song. I shall magnify him with thanksgiving. And it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hooves. The humble have seen it and are glad. You who seek God, let your heart revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his who are prisoners. What a beautiful picture it is to know that when you're not on top of the world, it doesn't change God. He's no different. I'm afflicted and in pain. But where does the psalmist go? Does the psalmist go for my self-esteem's a bit low? Does he go to a self-help book? Does he watch a television program that's designed to make him feel better about himself? No. He realizes there's nothing but the love and truth of God and his salvation for us that makes a difference. May thy salvation, O God, set me securely on high. Not me, not what I can offer you, not what I've done, not my physical goods, not my physical things that I have that surround me. Not that at all, Lord, but your salvation, let that. And I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. God so desires for us to worship and spend time with him and pray to him. So, so the Israelites in, in the covenant that, that they were, were under, in the, under the law re, were required to give sacrifice. Right? So they'd give lambs and goats and, and cattle and pigeons and flour and oil and all sorts of things. It was, a, it was a way for God to try to show them you can never give enough. Only I can really offer the sacrifice, the sacrifice of my son. And the psalmist is bringing up here the, the reality that God doesn't want our sacrifices. He wants us. He wants us to share with him. He wants us to magnify him with thanksgiving, to praise his name with song. It's more than the best 
beef you can put out there and sacrifice for him. The concept here of a young bull with horns and hooves is to, is to actually point out that this is an older animal, not a calf. This is one that the, that, the, that the person has put time and effort into raising. This is one that's probably quite valuable. This is really looking at it as, this is the best you have. But it's not what we want. It's not what God wants. God wants you. God wants your heart. He wants you to praise him and to, and to provide thanksgiving for him. And he cares. He hears the needy. He knows those who are, are prisoners, prisoners of their, the world around them, prisoners of, of lust, prisoners of greed, prisoners of sin. He, he, he doesn't despise you. He loves you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And it's in that relationship that we shout joyfully, that we stand up and praise him, and we yell out to him how great he is. And what he's done. As we move to the New Testament, there are some other great things to, to look at and realize we could be here for a long, long time just looking at the, the thankfulness and giving of thanks and thanksgiving. If we look in Romans 1, I think it's a, a good distinction here that we can look at and see the difference between those that, are, that have God as the center of their lives and those that who do not. And this is an opportunity for us to take a step back and look at this. In Romans one twenty one, actually we're going to read eight, verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and of crawling creatures. Concept here is to take a step back and look at this. So what does it look like when you don't recognize God for who he is? Because we already said that you can only truly, really give thanks, like the psalmist was talking about giving thanks, if your foundation is God. You, you can't stand Stand up and really shout for joy if you're in quickstand, right? You've got to be on the rock to do that. And, and the difference here for these, the folks that the, Paul's talking about in Romans is they didn't honor God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. See, this is something we've got to be careful not to get into. We can't, we can't allow the ways of the world to corrupt us. We need to be shining God's light into the ways of the world. We need to be shining it in, for our neighbors to, to be beacons for them to see because we don't want them to be living their lives in futile speculation. We want them to be able to stand on the rock with us and give thanks and stand up for joy. And may it never be said of us, as in verse 1, for the wrath of, or verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. May it never be said about any of us that we're suppressing God's truth. 
that we are unwilling to stand up and share God's truth for people. This is a great time of year to do that. Regardless of, of your circumstances, there are going to be people that are desperate for that. But rather, we should look like those in Ephesians and Thessalonians in Ephesians five fifteen through 21. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So we know that we can't give thanks without God, and now we know when we're supposed to give thanks. When things are going well. Right? No, it's actually not. For in all things, and in all places, in the name of the Lord, give thanks. And in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it really brings it down to just a few words. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's very simple and very straightforward. We can't get there, however, when we're not standing on the foundation. That's what gets us in trouble. So we know that once we have Christ as our Savior, that our salvation is eternal. But we still have opportunities to step off to the side a little bit and not spend the time that we need to spend with God. And we get a little sidetracked and we get a little bit preoccupied with the things of the world and the things around us. It's just a reminder that we have to keep our focus. It's very important to keep your focus on these things, to keep our focus on Christ. In Isaiah 51, 1 through 3, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and her wilderness. He will make like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of a melody. God's desire for us, those whom he has hewn out of the quarry, he set aside at the beginning of time, and he prepared us for this moment of which we are now living to be his beacon in this very dark and, and dangerous world. He desires for us to recognize that even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of loss, he desires for us to give thanks to him because he deserves that thanks. Because he will take care of us even in the wilderness he'll make like Eden and the desert he will make like the garden of the Lord. He's talking here both physically and spiritually 
in end times, he's going to, in, in the deserts of, of the Middle East, he's going to spring forth this amazing city, the New Jerusalem, which will be astounding beyond our wildest imagination. But he's talking about our hearts here, too. You see, before we were his, our hearts were the wilderness and the desert. But when we're his... He wants to take our hearts and he wants to rejuvenate them. And he wants them to look like the Garden of Eden. And he wants them to look like the Garden of the Lord. And it's from that, it's from that, that we can stand up and shout for joy and to encourage those around us and to be the people the people around us need. God uses us to impact people's lives around us. There are people in your lives, in your sphere of influence, that are desperate for a Savior. They are absolutely desperate for a Savior. They can't give thanks like the psalmist gave thanks because they don't have the rock of their salvation from which to, to, to begin from. And this is our time. This is our time. You were created for a time such as this. You were saved from your sinful ways for a time such as this. The fields are ripe, but few are the laborers. This is your time to truly be able to stand up And give thanks for all that God has done, regardless of the circumstances. And wait with great anticipation for next year, when we hear more stories of how God has used people in their lives to show them His great grace and glory. Dear Heavenly Father, this truly is a time of thanksgiving. It's The sad part for me, Lord, is I know that it needs to be Thanksgiving every day. And I often forget what that looks like. I often forget with you just how fortunate I am. Lord, I am so thankful for the guy 30... 35 or so years ago that took the time to share your story with me. I am so thankful that he didn't walk away and say, I have other things to do. I'm not here for this young boy. I'm here for this meeting. Lord, thank you that he responded to you. Thank you that he realized that you had a plan for him and you had a plan for me too. Lord, thank you for the stories that you, that you shared through my brothers and sisters today. Thank you for them. Lord, what an amazing blessing it is to be called as part of your family, to be an heir with Christ Jesus. And Lord, yet I know there are 
there are some even here today that may be struggling with all sorts of challenges and issues. And while it seems easy to to stand up and shout for joy and praise and, and thanksgiving, when things are going well, it can be really difficult when things aren't going well. But yet, Lord, you desire for us to be firmly planted on your foundation. And from that, we can give thanks. But help us, Lord. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to come alongside each other. Help us to look for those that are around us in our, in our spheres of influence, Lord, that are desperate for you, that, that desperately need to hear your good news and the great story of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. And Lord, would you, would you help us to really focus and, and be about your kingdom work, not getting caught up in the world and all that it entails, but really focusing on you. Thank you for the psalmist. Thank you for Abraham and Sarah. Thank you for the people that have come before us, Lord. That, that, have, that have provided a much smoother road for us who have come later. And help us, Lord, to prepare for those who will come after us. And Lord, thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. Before I was even born, you knew that I needed him so that I could have a relationship with you. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.